It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Welcome in. A wonderful Wednesday. Is the Big 12 watching? And according to a member of the Board of Trustees who's quoted in the Daily Memphian is saying they are watching to see what happens with stadium expansion. And, of course, the city council is going to meet on December the 19th. It has been talked about that this thing needs to proceed as quickly as it possibly can. They've always cited that a lot of that has to do with rising costs for labor, for parts, for materials, for everything that would be needed for stadium expansion. But it could be that who knows what's going to happen with the continuance of conference expansion because it is a fluid thing. It is not a finite thing, it seems. And who knows when the next round will be. But that was eye-opening when the statement was made that the Big 12 is watching to see what happens in this meeting. So I don't know that it's ever been more important for a stadium to get renovated and to be built. And look, other cities, I don't know if you saw this news. I'm sure that the city council was aware of what had occurred. But in Oak City yesterday, the voters voted, and they agreed to a 1% sales tax over the next few years to raise $600 million to keep the thunder in Oak City. It's amazing how cities now are at the mercy of NBA owners or NFL owners. Look what's happening with the Bears in Chicago after they got Soldier Field totally renovated. Now they're going to move out to Arlington, where Arlington Park used to be. So this is not limited to a single city. It is not limited to a single owner, Robert Perra, who has seen, after he spent $330 million on the Grizz. See his asset go to $2.2 billion. He's never put a penny in that I know of. I think he borrowed most of the money from the bank to buy the team to begin with. He had to have partners. Ever since then, his wealth has grown to $19 billion. He's not offered a penny. But you think in Washington, D.C., Leonsis, is that his name, the owner of both the Wizards and the Capitals? He's moving his team from D.C., literally, I think it is eight to nine miles away. I Googled it this morning. To Alexandria, Virginia, where there is going to be an area that will house a stadium and a whole entertainment district. And I don't think he's paying for that. I think the city of Alexandria, Virginia is going to do that. So it is not singular, but it is happening all over the place where entities will aid billionaire owners into building their houses. And then, of course, the billionaire owners control the area. In the case of, of, of the Grizzlies, because that was part of the Smith-Graham plan, was that the Grizzlies will control Beale Street. You know, maybe that's the best property owner for the, for the deal. It certainly seems to have worked in St. Louis with Ballpark Village. 
I'm trying to remember the other model that they're trying to. Maybe, maybe it's around Houston. Um, I can't remember the other city that that they have. Oh, it's Atlanta. Atlanta has built a a uh, an entertainment district around the new ballpark. So maybe that's you know it's, it's certainly going to be a profit maker for the NBA team if they can control the entertainment district. That's for sure. But that's what's happened now in two different cities. While the world or the Big Twelve anyway is sitting and watching and wondering what's going to happen. With the stadium expansion, they will meet on the 19th. Remember, this was a delayed meeting from two weeks prior. I don't know if they'll vote that day for this to go through. But it's not just rising costs for construction now. It's also the eyes of the Big 12, apparently, according to the Board of Trustees, or at least a member. And this is reported in the Daily Memphian. Um, they're watching to see what happens. So there could be significance with all of that. Uh, by, by the way, in the meantime, we learned also in that story, good job by the reporter at the Daily Memphian, that uh, the Tigers and Laird Veach have already done their due diligence pertaining to contracts that are involving Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. In other words, I believe Laird Veach has offered extensions of leases to the USFL team here, uh, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, and Steve Earhart and also to the Southern Heritage Classic. So things will continue with business at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium if this deal does go through. It would just be a change of ownership from the city to the University of Memphis. we got a busy show. We're going to talk to Jason Munns. Uh, the story yesterday, Naquan Tomlin, his mid-season departure from Kansas State, and, you know, I did a little digging yesterday, talked to some folks in Manhattan, Kansas. And by all accounts, this is a good kid. This is a good kid who uh, unfortunately had apparently three strikes against him early last summer. There was an issue with an agent. Then there was an issue with a girlfriend that was strike two. And the president of K-State basically stated that there was uh, two strikes and that any further action would have consequences. And then... He was involved in a fracas in a bar, I think it was called Aggieville, in Manhattan. The video sort of shows that uh, Naquan was really sort of an innocent guy in all of this. I think there is a pushback. He was provoked. He had gone, left the bar, went back in because he left something. There was an issue with a bouncer. The video shows he probably should not have been charged in the first place, according to the police. But he was. But that was strike three. And then the folks at Kansas State, the president in particular, was adamant. He said, no, that's it. You're done. Cited reasons why. Third strike. Boom. Not going to have him. By all other accounts, the, 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 the coach, the AD, think the general counsel were all saying he should not be forced to leave, but he was left out. That There was no choice. He's not played since last March when he had that great run to the Elite Eight. So now he's a Tiger, and that will get us to Jason Munz. we got Brett Norsworthy following Jason. Ron Higgins will end our day as we always do, a busy Wednesday. Jason moved to today. He was flying back home on Monday from... Aggie Land, not not the bar, by the way, that was apparently involved with uh, Tomlin. But um, it was a heck of a weekend for the U of M to 
win at Texas A&M, number 21 in the country, 13 in the net. And then to wind up with this particular recruit, he didn't go anywhere else. And the likes of everybody in the country that is anybody was after him. So that's quite a coup. Jason Munns from the Commercial Appeal joins us, as usually he does on Mondays. I, I, I have to ask you this. This particular recruit, where would you rank it in the acquisition of penny players? And that could be uh, anywhere from Precious Achua to Boogie Ellis to Kendrick Davis to um, uh, the big guy. Uh, yeah, Wise, and, and, uh, James Wiseman. Thank you. Couldn't think of his name for a minute there. Um, where would you put this particular move? And and by the way, Naquan Tomlin, how many years does he have left of eligibility? So this is it. This is his, this is his last year of eligibility. He played one year at Monroe Junior College in New York, and the two seasons at Chipola in Florida, and then he played last year at K State. Obviously, so this is it. Okay, so the COVID so, year is taken into account. Yes, yes. So okay. whatever you get from him, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to savor it, uh, you know, really quickly because it's gonna be it's gonna be it. But um, I, that that's a that's a you know that's such a tough question because we have the luxury of hindsight with all those other players. Sure. And he got the the Jalen Durans and the, the uh, Lester Kenyonis. Oh, I, for, I forgot the, about him, and I didn't mention Bates because I don't think that ended up good. No, I would not mention Bates um, based on what he. Uh, his production here, but no, like seriously, I mean, Kendrick Davis is far and away to me, the best acquisition that Penny Hardaway has ever had. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Kendrick Davis who had one of the three or four best single season, like individual years. Now I know they didn't win an NCAA tournament game or anything like that, but like they won a conference championship and they beat the number one team in the country. And, um, and, and he himself as an individual had one of the three or four best, uh, uh, individual seasons in program history. So I think he's got to be at number one. Um, and again, we have, we have the, the benefit of hindsight. We don't know what Tomlin's going to do yet. So, but all that being said, you got to factor in, you know, there's, there's the thing that the part about Naquan Tomlin that's really, really interesting is there's two things. Uh, you're adding him to an, to a team that already has such so many really, really nice pieces. David Jones, Jake, uh, Javon Quinterly, uh, 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 Caleb Mills, Jake Juan Walton. Um, you know, you're, he's coming into a really already strong situation, and not only that, but he's coming in mid-season. So, and that, well, I mean, I guess we say mid-season; it's, it's really only a third of the way through the season. But um, he's coming in midstream, and that has not happened since Penny has been here. Uh, where he's, I mean, we, Penny, Penny, like, is not shy about uh, dragging, aqua, you know, people, adding people late in the process, but it's never been this late. No. So, um, so you know, for that reason, it, it's, a, it, it's a bit more intriguing for those two reasons. It's a bit more intriguing than some of these other ones may have been, at the, you know, at first glance. But, uh, but you know, it, it's got the potential to be one of his, Probably three or yeah, you know, I, top three. I, I, obviously, you know what plays out will determine that. Uh, I, I I have a hard time disputing you on KD. Although you can make the argument as as players have gone on that Precious Achua turned out to be unbelievable because they they really competed with him, and he would not have been the factor he was if James Wiseman continued to play. 
And and um, uh, you know Jalen Duran has become almost a double double machine at the NBA when healthy. And he was yep. terrific for Memphis later in the year when he really kind of caught on to the level of play, just as he yep. has in the NBA. So you you got to put him down there for sure. Boogie Ellis is still playing college basketball and at a very high rate at USC. So uh, he he really was a very, very good recruit. Damian Ball played really good at TCU. He's had a lot of good recruits, but Davis was the one that has taken them the furthest. And they, heck, I, you know, if they call that timeout, if he hadn't gotten hurt— Lord knows right. how far this team might have gone to the Final Four because that's where FAU ended up. We'll never know that. How far can this team go now? What does this kid mean in terms of advancement in the NCAA tournament? And with all the wins that Memphis has that could become quad wins now, uh, I'm talking to A&M's a quad one as it is, but um, you know, you're, you're talking about Arkansas could become a quad one win. Heck, even VCU on the road could become a quad one win in the end. I, I counted the potential for eight quad one wins. How, with this addition, where can the ceiling really be put for this team now? I think, I think what you, you know, I mean, we've, we've, I don't want to fall into a trap. You know, sometimes we fall into these traps where, you know, we all thought Jordan Brown was going to be a difference maker, right? Like, right. and that that didn't happen. We, we a lot of people thought Imani Bates would be a difference maker. That didn't happen. So sometimes these things don't work out. But uh, you just you feel a lot better about Naquan Tomlin than some of these other guys because you know Imani Bates, uh, uh, Jordan Brown, they didn't quite fit the system, the scheme, Penny Hardaway's. The, you know the way Penny Hardaway likes to 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 uh, uh, go about his business, the way he likes to, to you know his system. They didn't exactly fit, and that is not the case for Naquan Tomlin. Naquan Tomlin is a rim runner. He is a strong rim protector. He is he is incredibly athletic. He plays with a lot of emotion and a lot of um, energy. Uh, he plays very fast, very physical. He is uh, a big man who can who can uh, move and who can do a lot of different things. He, I think, he attempted like seventy three pointers at K State last season, which he only made twenty seven and a half percent of them. So that's not necessarily his strong suit. But um, this is a guy who's very versatile, and and guys who are very versatile and very athletic tend to, uh, you know, like Exhibit A, David Jones, athletic and versatile. They tend to do very well under Penny Hardaway, and so if if Memphis gets you know the best uh, Naquan Tomlin there is, well, to me that raises the floor of this team. Like I already thought this team was the second weekend team anyway. Um, to me, that adding Tomlin raises the floor to second weekend. And, you know, the ceiling, who knows? Hmm. But, like, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, and I know it, I know the NCAA tournament, you know, it's predictable and it's matchup-based and all that stuff, but, like, you you just, at this point, by adding someone like Naquan Tomlin, you now have, a, 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 like, a, like, a, just such an abundance of overall talent and... And not just like a ton of 
backcourt players or a ton of talented frontcourt players. You've got a lot of different guys who could do a lot of different things. And those are the times. I mean, and, and, and again, they're very old. Tomlin, I think, is 22 or 23, so you're not getting any younger. Age, experience, wins in well, the NCAA tournament. And just physical maturation. They're, they're, they're men now. They're not 18-year-old kids coming in. You mentioned Jordan Brown. I'm going to get to him in a second, but I do want to ask you, how do you think Penny will use him? Is he a 5? Is he a 4? Is he even a 3? I think that... I think that the bulk of Naquan Tomlin's time on the floor is going to be as sort of like a 3-4 hybrid. At least I think that's the ideal scenario for uh, for Memphis. Um, not going to say, you know, that doesn't mean he's never going to play the 5. He's 6'10", 210 pounds. He, he uh, uh, like I said, he's, he's a rim protector. He, he averaged two blocks per game in K-State's Elite 8 run last season. Um, he's, he's, you know, played down low at a very high level, um, before. And so like, you know, I think he's interchangeable, honestly, from the three to the five. Um, but I do think that at least in the beginning, you might see him more away from the basket than close to the basket, at least on offense. Um, he can guard, you know, multiple positions. So You'll see him sort of, you know. I mean, we know how Penny does defense. Like, you know, it's kind of positionless uh, on defense uh, a lot of the times. But, um, but from an offensive standpoint, I think they're going to at least uh, try to give him some run at the three, uh, while also mixing him in at the four and the five. It is incredible um, to me if he plays the three how big Memphis would be because you know what is Quinterly 6'1 isn't that what they list six him one. at then, yep. then you got David Jones at 6'6 six, six playing the two you'd have a 6'10 three the four in this would probably the way they've been starting it would be uh, Nicholas Jordan what do they list him at 6'9 I believe so and yeah. then Malco is 6'10 right so Malco's your center at 6'10 so you go 6'10 6'9 6'10 6'6 6'1 off the bench you've got Big guys in, in, in Walton, who's, what, 6'7", I think? I believe so, yep. And then you've got Caleb Mills, who's a big guard, a two, yep. who comes off the bench. you got a littler guy, the only little guy in there that would be Young, who's your backup point guard for mi- limited minutes, because Mills can play that, actually. And then, think about it, you've got, I guess the other Ashton. guy you would you would count in the rotation would be Ashton Hardaway, who's 6'8", and maybe Jaden, what is he, 6'6", 6'7", somewhere in there? Holy yep. smokes, that is a big lineup. They do, and, and you know, I wrote about that uh, before the season even started, just how long uh, this team is, and yeah, you're losing. I mean, well, it remains to be seen uh, uh, officially, formally, it remains to be seen what, what what's going to happen with Jordan Brown, but, um, you know, if it comes to pass that he is no longer uh, a member of this team, then then you're plugging, you're losing a six eleven and plugging in a six ten. Um, somebody who's more athletic, somebody who's who uh, I think um, you know has uh, you know better vertical, uh, can move better, all that stuff. So like you're you're almost getting longer if you're trading those two out. so Well, you're getting um, definitely more athletic. So let, let's let's figure this out, okay? Let's talk Jordan Brown right now. Yep. The, the kid has nowhere to go. 
He cannot transfer to another school like Correct. Naquan Tomlin could. He's the second highest NIL guy on the team from all that we hear. That means he's over six figures. Where's he going to go? He can go pro, I guess, but he's not going to make that kind of money. If he goes to the G League for half a year, you're talking about twenty grand. He's not making six figures, that's for sure. What is his beef? What are his options? Do you know? And do you think he'll be back? Yeah, I think I think we are getting very close to uh, like a, uh, an official. I, I do want to say, like, like, take all this with a grain of salt because we we know how quickly things can change in Penny Hardaway's program. Okay, so take. I could say this now, and ten minutes later, it could be. It could, I, I could be proven wrong, but I think as we sit here right now, and right here right now, uh, the likelihood of Jordan Brown being back at Memphis is is pretty slim. Um, and, and, and the reason why, I mean, I think honestly, when I, you know, when you step back and you look at the, the big picture, they just were compatible. Jordan Brown, his style of play, he's a traditional big back to the basket guy. Uh, Penny Hardaway is not a coach who, you know, he doesn't like to slow things down, you know, and they just, they don't fit. They didn't, it was not a good fit. Um, and I think Jordan Brown kind of, saw the writing on the wall pretty quickly once Penny got back from his suspension that um, that it wasn't gonna that it wasn't going to work out and so I think what you have is you know Jordan Brown uh, you know trying to figure out what you know what options he has beyond Memphis um, I do think that Memphis would like to there are some there are some at Memphis who would like to keep Jordan Brown, even after adding Naquan Tom. Um, but I just don't know if, if, in the end, Jordan Brown is going to be willing to stay, uh, given everything that's happened in the last couple of days. Well, they, it, it would seem to me be to be cutting you off your nose to spite your face. I don't, I don't see what his options are. I mean, I guess that's, that may be, unless he's able to, uh, you know, work out some sort of, deal to uh, recoup you know like get get the NIL money that he was that he was owed um, who knows like, I don't I don't know he, why any school would do that on a kid who quit personally I agree no 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 I agree but like you know maybe that's the holdup here is they're trying to come to some sort of like separation agreement I don't know I honestly don't know um, but I do know that the, the the program publicly is saying that he is still part of the program, and that's as recent as like late yesterday. So, uh, you know, I I'm not sure that it's gonna. I don't believe it's gonna stay that way. But uh, I've been wrong before. Well, we we will wait and see. Last thing, and then we got to go. Tomlin, yep. when does he play? When's the first time he suits up in a Memphis uni? If I had to bet, I would say the soonest would be probably the Vanderbilt game on December 23rd. Um, I, I, you know, there's still some uh, procedural things, some uh, administrative things, paperwork, uh, red tape, ink has to dry, I's and T's have to be dotted and crossed, um, those sorts of things. And so, But once all that gets done and uh, 
he is, you know, they can push the right buttons and he can be formally admitted to the university, then uh, my understanding is he is eligible immediately. Um, the, the, the way I, so, like, could he play? Could he be eligible and play uh, Saturday versus Clemson? Sure. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Right. Um, we I should point this out because I know this for a fact. The great thing is not, it's all just procedures and details and paperwork because he's already graduated. He walked the aisle. So that, that part's done. So all, you know, all those things are going to transfer over. That's not an issue. But you got to still do the paperwork stuff and be admitted to the U of M. And that there there is some time to that. Jason, as yeah. always, we truly appreciate it. I'll see you Saturday. Can't wait. FedEx Forum. What a game that one's going to be with Clemson. Boy, yeah. It's uh, starting to get fun. It is. There, there is no, even more fun now with this. That is for never a dull moment in the Penny Hardaway tenure of the University of Memphis. Thank you, my friend. That's Jason Munns from the Commercial Appeal. We're sitting in the Family Leisure Studio. Don't forget, the Christmas sale continues. Excellent deals on pool tables, shuffleboards, and saunas, and a whole lot more. They got the massage chairs if you're tired from shopping. Just please go to I-40 and Widden Road. See what I'm talking about. Great sale prices in a beautiful building. That is Family Leisure. And our title sponsor, it's Genesis of Olive Branch, right in Homer Skelton Hyundai, right at the corner Craft Road, first exit in Mississippi on Highway 78. That's Lamar. Real quick, they've done a lot of work there. You get there quick, turn left, and then go. If you're after a Genesis, go see Vinny, Vinny Gerard. He's over the Genesis cars, and he's got deals on the GV70, the GV80. Those are the SUVs with all the new technology and incentives on financing. My goodness, you'll love what you hear at Homer Skelton, Hyundai, and Genesis of Olive Branch. We take a quick time out to Forest City we go. We'll get the word what uh, our friend Brett Norsworthy thinks about this stuff with the Big 12. We'll talk some SEC and Ole Miss with Brett when we return. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM, presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. To Forest City we go. You listen to him every day. You have for years, 3 to 6, sports time on Sports 56. His buddy is Brian Dacus, but he's the man. He is Brett Norsworthy. Stats, um... Have you seen the story in the Daily Memphian today about the Big 12 is watching what will happen when the city council meets on December the 19th? I, I guess my question very broad to you is, do you think, and we all know conference expansion is a fluid thing, never a finite thing, or at least history has shown that. You think the Big 12 is ready to pull the trigger on something this soon? Good morning. I think, I think they could be. Good morning, Dave. I think they could be, and I think they were set to do it last summer until the disintegration of the Pac-12. I don't think Brett Yormark saw that coming, and he is very pro-basketball. That is, that, that is one of his uh, 
big background points. He started as an agent, was in, in the NBA. He's got a lot of friends uh, here in the NBA, and he, wa- he was in town last summer, and it was building to critical mass. I thought I would have bet a significant sum of money that the Tigers were going to be invited into the Big 12 last summer by August 1st, but late July. I don't know how next summer can be quite the – the tidal wave that last summer was in conference realignment. But there's going to be stuff going on because everybody's positioning for the future when we get down to about 80 teams really playing at a, at a high level in college football. And we're, we're boiling down to that. There are going to be people thrown overboard. There are going to be bowls thrown overboard. The market is getting ready to speak. Mm. Um, I agree. Uh, it, it, it is crazy. Do you know, I, I've I've heard whispers. It could be Gonzaga that could be the partner that might go in with Memphis. I've heard it could be UConn. That means both sports for sure. Um, what what? Because you're always plugged in. What what kind of rumblings might you hear if there was this expansion? If Memphis was included, you got to have a partner. Who would that partner be? I think the ideal partner would be UConn because of what what they can offer at least participating. In other sports, Gonzaga—they don't even—they play football. That's—that's when been one of the fanciful notions. I guess that would be Mark Few's final act at Gonzaga is to get them in something like the Big Twelve, the one of the great college basketball conferences ever, probably more prestigious than the SEC historically in college basketball. I don't think there's any probably to it. It 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 is, but. But we'll see. I, d- I just don't think next summer can match the the volatile nature that last summer had. But we, we, we don't need it uh, all over college sports. We just need it right here for Memphis. And they were in last year. That was the, the heartbreaking part of it until the leadership, the ineptitude displayed by the – by the pack just to totally lose their entire conference. It torpedoed Memphis. Yeah, wow. Uh, unintended consequences, you might say. Uh, that That is exactly what occurred. All right. Uh, you, you saw what Penny has pulled off again. This is pretty amazing. Where would you rate, if Tomlin uh, is indeed the factor a lot of us think he could be, where would you rate him as a recruit – Coming in, considering what he did last year in the Elite Eight run for Kansas State with the point guard that they had, um, you know, there I, I, I know was talking. What he can do. I was talking with Munzee. You know, I, I, Kendrick Davis. It's fair to say he's the best recruit Memphis ever got. I know you can throw in Wiseman, you can throw in uh, Boogie Ellis in that class with Damian Baugh, who went on to play really well at TCU. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a bunch of guys you could include in that. Uh, Duran, I wouldn't count Bates because he he didn't stick around, um, but Duran for sure. Uh, the Precious Chu is another guy. Where would you put Tomlin? I, I put him at the all-time tops. We wow. know what he can do in college basketball. We've seen it. We didn't see any of those other guys play can, play and beat a Kentucky team. They were playing, you know, at the ABCD camp in Las Vegas against, you know, Team Y. That we we didn't we didn't know what they really could or couldn't do. We know this guy can go. We saw it last year in that Kansas State run, and. I look forward to the matchup with the the FAU big man that that he ran into last year in Golden. the tournament. Uh, it, that that's going to be good stuff because we don't get many of those aircraft carrier versus aircraft carriers anymore. And I don't I don't know that 
that this is exactly aircraft, but it's as close as we get anymore to those big man matchups. Those two FAU Memphis games, that's going to be something to watch just down in the post. Now, just this week, Clemson and and Virginia. Those that can you think of two better teams back to back coming in? They're both in the top twenty five, and with Memphis where they stand. Uh, with a chance, if they can close out these next four games, to go 11-2 in conference play with the resume they had. I can't think of a bigger week, honestly, going all the way back to Dana Kirk. I'm not sure there's a bigger week in Memphis regular season college basketball. It's it's a really big week in what the Tigers can do, just with a split, but with a sweep. And, and mm. even being swept is, 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 not, is not as damaging because of the win Sunday afternoon. If there was a, a split, I think it would be that we were right on with our preseason predictions. I had Memphis thirteen and three, and I'm almost certain you did in the non-conference. No, 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 no. I, I was nine and four non-conference. Thirteen non-conference games. Hey, I was I, nine and four. I, I meant ten and three. Ten and three is what I had them. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. I, I was I was nine and four. I had Sunday afternoon as a loss, and it was a win. And but before that, I'd I'd gotten right on. And and for these two, I had in the preseason, I had. Clemson, I had this as a split. I don't, I'm trying to find exactly where I had my split. No, no, I preseason, I had both of these as wins. No. Okay. Um, but I, so I did, you, I did you have Memphis, a loss in Oxford. You, you did have I had Memphis a, losing I had a loss at Mizzou. Uh, okay. And, and, and they didn't. Okay. But you did have them losing at Oxford, right? I did. Yeah, that was because uh, of. Did you game and Chris Beer? Did you have Ole Miss at nine and zero? Because this is an incredible not. story. I mean, seriously, uh, and. True confession, I did. I did not pick the Ole Miss or the SEC in in the preseason. I, I would have said, looking at that schedule, I think I would have had Ole Miss at probably seven and two. Um, you know, they they've even won these the road game at, at Orlando against UCF. Close, I mean, as close as they you know. can get. And then the one at Temple. Coaching I mean, matters. This this amazing what he has done. This nine and no start. Where would you rank that in Ole Miss basketball lore? Well, he, he he's really off to a good start. Now it's going to settle in when he gets into the conference. I I just want ten and eight in conference, and I think that would get them in a in a in the tournament. And yesterday, Joe Lenardi, his bracketology had both Ole Miss and Mississippi State in out of nine SEC teams in the tournament and does not have Arkansas in. Wow. Arkansas with a win over Duke, too. Arkansas with a win over Duke. And and, and Arkansas that I picked in the preseason to win it all, not just go to the Final Four. They were my national champion team and now not even in the tournament. And I, I don't e- think that'll every- happen. I really don't. I think there's when you look either. at that talent with Brazil, who I am, <laughs> I think that guy is incredible. I do too. Uh, then you look at Battle. You look at Mark. Now I think he's okay, right? He 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 got hurt in the Bahamas, but I believe he's played since that injury. Uh, there's a freshman kid who's really good on that team mm-hmm. too. I I mean that Musselman is too good a coach with that much talent. He's going to make the NCAA tournament. Think think about that. We just rattled off a lot of names and one we never got to. Chandler Lawson. Chandler well, we should get to Chandler Lawson cuz he's Why? played pretty well. I, I I I thought it was a cry of desperation to reach out to him. Really? I, I just don't think he's a very effective player. Well, he was not an effective player in Memphis. I'm going to give you that one. And, Except and for the A&M game last year. That was a big game he had last year around this time when they played A&M. Other than that, it's always, you know, you're always kind of left 
unfulfilled by him. Here, here's the thing about him that I was a little surprised at, honestly. The choice of Arkansas. Now, that's a that, that's an honor to play in that uniform, so I can understand that. A lot of tradition, a lot of history. Musselman's a great coach, so if he's got confidence in you, that's a, that's a big plus. But the system that Musselman plays requires a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. And uh, although Chandler Lawson can jump, if that's what we count as athleticism, He's not a fast-to-foot guy. Those he's feet not. are not quick. So I'm not sure this system is perfect for him, but he's getting minutes. And, and his first step is, is glacial. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's pretty good. Glacial. I don't know if it's quite that slow, but it isn't quite uh, as, but, as but fast he, he's as not it good needs around to be. The, around the cup uh, on the offensive end, as, as Dedrick was, not even close. Oh, no. No, Dedrick is the, the – I guess he's the second oldest – He's the best. KJ was a good player. Diedrich was a great college player. Yeah, but it was kind of a depreciating value after Diedrich. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would uh, definitely uh, agree with that one. All right, I got to ask you because you, you, you texted me several times about Peach Bowl again and really what, what uh, Lane Kiffin has been able to do is pretty phenomenal. Uh, a chance for... Another win. Nobody's ever done that before uh, in in Ole Miss lore. And, you know, just since he's gotten there, he's lived up to all the expectations. Everything. He he truly has. I'm curious to see if the Peach Bowl will uh, be anything like with activities, festivities, uh, surrounding the bowl, anything like the Cotton Bowl. No, no. no, Nothing rises to that level. Pete, our, our... Rose, sugar, cotton, they, they separate themselves. Peach is really good. It's going to be a lot of fun, but it's a little more business-like than, than those others. But really good in a great stadium and, and treated very well. Ole Miss played there in 2014. It'll be the third Peach Bowl ever. Played there in 71 at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium and defeated Georgia Tech and then lost badly to TCU in 2014. And now this one at Mercedes-Benz. So it'll be all three stadiums. And Harry Harrison, the analyst on Ole Miss football, he played in the 71 game, was an announcer for the 2014 game at the Georgia Dome, and now will be the analyst alongside David Kellum for this one. So he will have been at all three Ole Miss Peach Bowls in all three different stadiums. Wow. Fulton County, Turner, and this one. is that Are those the three? Fulton County, Georgia Dome, Mercedes-Benz Oh, Dome. Georgia Dome. I'm sorry. That's right. Mm-hmm. Forgot about the Georgia Dome. That that's where they had the uh, the basketball tournament when there was a tornado, was. right? When the tornado ripped right over the top of it, and the Georgia Dome was right by the Georgia World Congress Center, which is right by where the new dome is, which is right by the State Farm Arena where the where the Hawks play. And and first time I ever went there, I thought it was the Taj Mahal, just the nicest thing I'd ever seen in my life. The new one blows it away. They always do. They always do, don't they? they? How do they, they do that? They absolutely always do that. And, and that's what I tell people, Dave. People can't imagine. I mean, you know, Ted. Uh, you know, Ted Smith Coliseum was was very rough, and, and the pavilion is so much nicer. But what Ted Smith Coliseum replaced in the late '60s was the men's gym. Taj Mahal, baby. Was, was, was the field? It, it, it was. It was the field house. Hey, bang for buck. The, the the tad pad went a long way. It was a good arena for many years. It was, it was like, just the last 10 it was a little It was like old. your 16-year-old car. The car you're driving today from Genesis is a lot better than that 16-year-old car. No, ain't no doubt about, about that. Now, if I recall correctly, you're off the next couple of weeks, so I better wish you happy holidays today. 
Thank you, Dave, and same to you and yours. And I'll be away the next two Wednesdays, and next time we talk will be 2024. Wow. Time goes fast, that's for sure. Happy holidays to you, you, your brother, your whole family, my friend. Thank you. Same to you. You got it. Thank you. That is Brett Norsworthy, a sweetheart of a guy. Perfect for sponsoring our friends at Dinstals. It's the season for expressing thanks to your clients for their business throughout the year. Let Dinstals just do that for you. They can create a sweet, sweet thank you for you your clients, and your employees. From assorted chocolates to cashew crunch, Christmas tree pretzels, and turtlelets. Oh, everybody loves the turtlelets. Let Dinstals take care of all your holiday gift giving. Let me tell you, when they put a package together, it's a, you get one of those, you're going, that person really likes me, or that person really appreciates me. They're fantastic. Their packaging, it's amazing. Call today. Let them create a sweet memory for you for the holidays at Laurelwood, Germantown, Collierville, Pleasant View, and downtown. Dinstals, made in Memphis, and enjoyed by the whole world. Back in a minute, we'll head to Baton Rouge, our good friend, Ron Higgins is standing by. He is right around the corner. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Let's head to Baton Rouge. Our SEC historian, one of them anyway, is Ron Higgins. And um, Ron, you told me something. You, you've you been in this business how many years? 40, 50 years? 50 years probably now. Probably 40, I guess almost 45 now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can remember seeing a 24 nothing run, Memphis with Elliott Perry in Freedom Hall in Louisville, leading yep. 24 to nothing, a 24-zip run to start the game. What did you see last night in the women's game with LSU and McNeese State? You know, every time I think about maybe, like, retiring, I, I, I don't do it because when you go to a game – Something's going to happen that maybe you didn't see before. Last night, an LSU number seven ranked women defending national champions had a forty-seven to nothing run. Forty-seven? Oh my gosh! Forty a thirty nothing shutout in the second quarter. How, uh, seriously, how many timeouts did the McNeese State coach use? To he stop a, a forty-seven to nothing run, I mean, he call a call a few, you know, uh, you know, and, and that forty-seven nothing run, it was part of a fifty-six to two run. Oh my gosh! Mc, Mc, what Mc, was the halftime four, score? Out of curiosity, uh, I think LSU was up by let's see, by let me see, sixty-two to twelve, yeah, <laughs> up by fifty. Wow. They led they led at ninety four at one point late the season. I mean late late in the game. Uh by ninety four. LSU scored fifty two points off thirty six McNeese these turnovers. So oh my LSU played everybody in their, they played everybody in their bench. They played everybody. You know, they made uh but the that's I guess the LSU next was. question would be is why is Kim Monkey playing this team? What do you get out of that? It's a it's a it's a state team 
and uh, she she likes to play state teams and give them guarantees of twenty twenty five thousand bucks to help sure. with their basketball sure. programs. Wow. That's why she does it. Man, uh, uh, they, they played a little bit better non conference schedule this year than last year. Uh, she's like any basketball coach. She's probably uh, going to schedule her team to uh, build toward conference play, and then they 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 play some decent teams. They played they beat. Virginia Tech pretty soundly about a week and a half ago, and uh, beat Virginia uh, a week before that. So they they, they play some teams. So. You you have seen a lot of great coaches at LSU. This is obviously very subjective, and what we would call or my friend Brett, who was just on with us, a high hard one. But between who's the old baseball coach Bregman? Uh, uh, Skip Bertman. Skip Bertman. Bertman. Yeah. Between Bertman, you covered Ron Polk at LSU too. Um, yeah. I mean, at at, at uh, uh, Mississippi State okay. baseball, uh, between the old baseball coach, between Nick Saban or now Brian Kelly, uh, I know you're not you're not going to say the uh, Ed Orgeron. Um, In the way, yeah. <laughs> um, who's the greatest coach? And now Mulkey. Who it, you you also were there for uh, the the Shaq's coach uh, the, the yeah Dale, uh, Dale, Dale Brown. Brown Dale Brown who's the best coach LSU's ever had all sports yeah all sports uh, Skip Bartman uh, you'd have him over Saban yeah because I mean Skip was there longer yeah. Skip won five he won five national titles uh, he built the program from the ground up when it was basically in the in the toilet nothing. Uh, and kept it there for a long time, and made baseball, along with Ron Polk, a, vi- a viable yeah. sport. Made yeah, money. I agree. Uh, they they, they made now, that a revenue producing sport. Both those guys. Now, now if I had to pick, pick the best football coach ever, not just at LSU, I, I'd say say. Yeah, I, mean, I, right. I don't think there's any question about that. But where, yeah, where would you have Kelly? Uh, at LSU, probably. Right, I, I'd probably put him. Uh, as far as football coach, put him second behind Saban. Okay. Uh, they're a lot alike. I mean, I mean, Kelly hadn't won the national championship, but they're a lot alike in their approach. Uh, and they're comfortable in their own skin. And, and, and uh, But they're a lot alike in their, their same approach. They really are. Uh, i, I got to ask you a little bit about SEC basketball, the men's side this time. They're, they're, yep. uh, I believe in the in the, the the newest of the two soon bracketologists, uh, Lenardi has nine SEC teams in. I want to give you the, the, the preseason poll because I think it's interesting. Tennessee to win, and I'd have a hard time arguing with that. A&M is two, not sure about that one. Arkansas is three, definitely not sure about that one. Kentucky four, Alabama five, Auburn six, Mississippi State, Florida, Missouri nine, Ole Miss ten. I don't think they're going to finish tenth. Vandy, no. Georgia, LSU, and South Carolina. Do you? How how are you going to change that right right off? Who's one? Who would you put as one today if you were voting the SEC rankings? I I mean Tennessee's probably played a better schedule than Ole Miss. I'm thinking right off the bat. Even oh yeah, no doubt. Tennessee, probably Tennessee, because they're, they're seven three. Well, if you just uh, match them up personnel, it's hard uh, to believe that Ole Miss would would, would hang. Now they could win at home because yeah. they're, they're not that far removed, and I wouldn't be shocked, if, you know, if they do play them uh, at the Pavilion, that that they'd win that game. Uh, I'd probably make Tennessee a slight favorite, but in 
in Thompson Bowling, I, I think, uh, you know, Tennessee would be almost a double-digit favorite on Ole Miss. Well, I, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, just but I've always been, you know, you, you knew what type of coach Old Ole Miss was getting. I mean, they, 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 you know, they fell into a guy who had a problem, and then, and, and honestly, they, uh, they picked up, you know, damaged goods. Uh, yeah, no, that 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 was a break, and I don't I don't know how many ads would have taken at that particular yeah, moment yeah. anyway yeah. that you know, chance. Too, look, Look, Keith Carter's taken. You know, uh, he took a chance with with uh, Kiffin for that. For all that matter, oh yeah, yeah the, the man with the greatest vertical for uh, a a, uh, a a Caucasian basketball player in almost history, Keith Carter, took a huge leap on both those guys. Yeah, both of them, and it's paid. And look, that's what you got to do at, at Ole Miss in Mississippi State. Look, you know, you know, State hired Ben Howland out in UCLA. I mean, the, the guy who you know. Really, kind of couldn't get a job, and but they got him to Starkville. He did well. Uh, you got to take guys who are maybe flawed a little bit in some way, but who are great coaches, and uh, you give them a chance, and you get them there, and you hope you keep them for you know, as long as possible. Uh, and, and then credit Keith Carter; those are the two brilliant hires, you know. And I'm sure he might have to talk some boosters off the ledge or the uh, school administration when he did it, but. Uh, I know he does his due diligence. He's a smart guy. He played that way. And uh, two, two, honestly, two of the better hires in the past decade in SEC right there. Same school. So you, you, where would you put Ole Miss? 9-0. They, they've squeaked by in Philadelphia against Temple, in Orlando against UCF on the road. Now they have two very impressive home wins, one against NC State where they dominated, and then, then they pulled one out against the U of M. That might be their best win. Um, where would you rank them? I guess Kentucky would be two at this moment, wouldn't it be? Well, they, the Kentucky just lost to somebody they shouldn't have lost to. I mean, who was it? Well, everybody's lost to somebody they shouldn't lose to, it I seems. Mean, but Ole, Ole Miss hasn't. No. Uh, I mean, I, I think Kentucky probably three. They lost to somebody that they had no business losing to, like this past week. can't remember who it was, but it, it, it wasn't a good thing. Uh, uh, it, it, I mean, in, uh, even though Kentucky Well, they is, beat Penn it, this week. Eighty-one sixty-six. So that it, it, it was not this week that uh, that that they. Oh, I, I know who you're talking about. They, they they lost the week before that to North Carolina Wilmington by seven. Yeah, that was it. Okay, so you don't you don't lose to them. You just don't. Uh, well, they they they've, they've only I, 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 lost. They've lost to Kansas, and they've lost to UNC Wilmington. That's hard to okay, believe. I, I, I can I can understand Kansas. I get that. Well, UNC Wilmington was in was in Lexington, wasn't it? I think it was Lexington. Um, I am sure he would not have played yeah, UNC Wilmington okay, anywhere so, else but that. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm so almost this, certain that was in Lexington. Okay, so really, there's no excuse for that. So I, I'll put him third behind Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss has been the surprise of the conference so far. Uh, but you know, you got all those people for you know, I think. I, mean, I know Memphis just beat Texas A&M, but Texas A&M has really kind of tailed off, and you thought they were going to be really good, and, and they've they've lost three games now. And I know Memphis handled them. Uh, Alabama's lost three. You know, uh, everybody's. You know, the only you, know, you got you got one, two, three, four, five, five teams with two or losses or less, and uh, and Tennessee has three. So, but nine teams. Uh, 
Well, he, he's, he's got a, he's got a, Alabama and Missouri. He's even got Mississippi State in there. You know who he doesn't have in there? He doesn't have Arkansas yeah. in there. That was preseason number three. In Arkansas, six and four. Okay, and they've yep. kind of been up and down. They've been all over the place. Yeah, they got a win with uh, Duke, and and yeah. and then losses that are that are crazy. But heck, Mississippi State lost to Southern for goodness sakes. Everybody has lost except for Ole Miss. Everybody has lost to a team they should not have lost to. Ron, we'll do this again next week. We'll be talking Christmas holidays after that. All right, Wallo. We'll take care. You too, my friend. Thank you much. We appreciate it. That's our buddy. That is Ron Higgins, a guy who can appreciate tastes of Memphis, including Grind City Brewing. Oh, yeah, I love talking about Grind City Brewing because it's a taste of Memphis that I appreciate. It's right downtown, that little brewery. Not so little. Just north of downtown with this great picnic area with tents and views of downtown Memphis and of the bridges. And then there's the product. You can go inside, see this modern brewery that is really cool looking. And you can order the Poppy's Pilsner. That's the Pilsner. I call it really Poppy's Pills. You know, like order two. You want more? That's the way it works. But it's 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 their number one seller. Then there's the Godhopper. That's the Pale Ale. People rave about that. A couple of other new products that have hit the... Uh, Shelves, as they say, the Belgian-style wheat ale called the Belga. There's the amber lager called Thaddeus. They've even got the old thing that I love. It's got a little more kick. It's a malt liquor, crafted malt liquor, I should say. Unlike most malt liquors, this thing is incredible. It's called Tiger Tail. You'll love it as well. It's a taste of Memphis. It's Grind City Brewing, taking care of beerness in Memphis for a long time now. That'll be uh, my day. We'll say so long. Johnny Radio is next. We'll see you again bright and early tomorrow morning. Have a great day, everybody.